the, the body only gives you these tiny whispers over and over and over again until you finally get that message to actually, I have to do something about this. Welcome to Consciously Alive, a weekly podcast about how to live outside the rules, go against the norm, and consciously create a life that lights you up and makes you come alive. I'm your host, Phoebe Greenacre. I'm a spiritual business coach, somatic therapist, and founder of The Self-Care Space. I'm equal parts business and equal parts wellness, and I'm here to tell you anything is possible. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the show, guys. So excited for today's episode because it's with one of my sisters. I have three. Uh, today I am interviewing Amy, who is the closest in age to me. So we're just 21 months apart. Um, we have been like two peas in a pod most of our lives. And I'm super excited to introduce to you um, Amy, who is a holistic health coach, she's a natural foods expert, and also a women's empowerment coach. So you, I think, are going to love this conversation. I know a lot of you follow her online. Um, her Instagram account is Green Shaker. Um, she's a Burning Man lover. She's a nature, naked dancer, uh, world explorer. So let's dive into today's conversation. Welcome to the show, Amy. How are you? Hi, Phoebe. I'm wonderful. How are you? Good. This feels like surreal and weird because like we chat nearly every day anyways, but welcome to the show. Thanks, darling. I'm very happy to be here. Very excited to be on the show. So why don't we go back to the beginning? Yes. Because that's where I love starting. Um, but for people listening at home, a lot of my friends know you as Green Shaker. Um, so why don't you explain how you came up with that nickname? And how and how that kind of evolved um, from, I guess, a young age. Sure, it's a great question. I get it all the time as well. Um, okay, so um, I mean, people also know that I'm your sister, right? I am. We are relatives. I am Phoebe's younger sister, um, and the nickname Green Shaker. So we were raised in a very um, what's it called family expressive family I think is a good way to describe us uh, we grew up in church where we, there was lots of singing and dancing and things like that and I was actually a dancer very young so was Phoebe so dance was one of the things that I loved a lot growing up in high school and I think it was also because of growing up in church as well and just being very you know expressive and then later on in my 20s, when I stopped going to church and started university and started going out, I think I found the same level of love for expressing and moving my bodies at church, for example, that I was doing every week. I found that then on the dance floors in nightclubs and in the music scene in Sydney, which I ended up working in um, as a door girl on <laughs> in nightclubs in Sydney, King's Cross. And 
yeah, that's kind of where basically I, I was, I got very much into it. I think I found my outlet of like a spiritual practice, I guess you could say on the dance floors at two, 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, and then obviously along that path of going out to nightclubs and being, you know, in the night scene in um, Sydney, I ended up dating DJs um, because they were obviously the ones making the music that made me dance. And it was actually one of my, my um, DJ boyfriend's best friend who would always, his name was Limbo, which was his nickname, Thomas Lim. <laughs> Limbo was his name. And um, yeah, he was the one that used to always just be like, hey, I guess it's an Aussie thing as well. He was like, hey, green shaker, green shaker, you're here. And always was me dancing on the dance floor. Um, and so he was the one, I think it was him or this other guy, Joel. Anyway, one of them, that was just my nickname, hey, shaker, hey, shaky, hey, shaker. And that was just the nickname that kind of stuck to me. And um, I guess when Twitter was around before Instagram was, it was my Twitter handle. So, I, you know, back in the day when we used to write those little, you know, witty uh, comments, all my friends, you know, in the in the scene were on Twitter. I joined Twitter as well. And that's where the name came from. And I guess when Instagram started, I was like, okay, I'm just going to call myself Green Shaker without really thinking too much about it as like a brand or something that I would be, you know, doing so many years later. But that's where it started. I basically got the nickname from loving to shake my booty on the dance floor. And to this day, still love shaking my booty on a dance floor. Um, so it stuck. It just stuck. Yeah, I remember having my handle as Wooden Lux, both on uh, Twitter and Instagram, but I would turn up to parties or events or meet people in London and be like, oh, you're Wooden Lux. And I'm like, no, I'm Phoebe. And so as I kind of grew and evolved, I ended up changing all platforms to just Phoebe Greenacre. Have you ever thought about changing your handle to Amy Greenacre? I think you could probably answer this question for me. How many times have I asked you, Phoebe, do you think I should change it to a more business name? Do you think I should change it? And funnily enough, it, it, I don't know, it feels like it's evolved. I actually wrote a little Instagram post this week just about, you know, my name, Green Shaker. Like it, it feels like it, it, it's a part of me that I, I now resonate with on so many different levels because I feel like it's this part of me that loves nature and loves green things and matcha and green smoothies and salads. And interestingly enough, I feel like it's kind of, I don't know, I've kind of formed this identity out of Green Shaker and I love it. And I, I think, not that I prefer it, but I do feel like it's it's something that I actually resonate with. And I think people who follow me also actually probably came in later on in the journey where it was more around health and nature and things like that. So I'm like, it kind of works and I'm just going with it. And I it brings out a side of me that just reminds me also to also continue to, you know, be a bit more playful and green, you know, still dance. That, that expressive side of me, I think when I think about the name Green Shaker, it just reminds me also that like, to be playful and to be, you know, remember that's a part of me as well. I'm just going to point out here that your last name is Green Acre. So your green will always be with you as long as you keep the name. <laughs> the nature is inbuilt in us. <laughs> I know, but I, it's true, but it's the, it's the moving and shaking part that I think I love. That's the part that I think it just reminds me to continue on that path. So your green shaking days from Sydney 
kind of led you to a uh, more of a international shaking route um, where you left Sydney to live overseas. Um, do you want to tell us about that journey where you ended up first? I mean, we've both been living overseas for more than 10 years or longer. So yeah, what took you to your first overseas destination and uh, maybe why have you stayed uh, overseas since? Mm. It's a good question. I'm actually back in Australia right now, back in where my, you know, where, where it all started for us back in the Sutherland Shire right now. Um, and it's interesting to reflect back on who I am now, you know, 11 years living out of Australia and coming back to this place that formed me and, you know, made me into who I am. Yet I feel like such a different person now coming back here. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question, but I remember, uh, the reason why I left in the first place was because of music. I actually ended up going on to Burning Man uh, in 2011 through the same community of like music friends, um, yeah, that same ex-boyfriend, that whole group of friends, went to Burning Man in 2010. And I really wanted to go, but my work wouldn't give me the time off um, to go to Burning Man. And so I ended up working really hard for a year. I was in marketing at the stage for venues. Um, Keystone Group was the company I was working for. And I'd been with them for about three years at this stage. And they wouldn't give me the time off to go to Burning Man. And I was, I remember when all my friends came back and I worked my butt off for this New Year's Eve campaign and I, and they all came back and it sounded like the most incredible experience in the world. And I was like, I don't care what happens next year. I am going to Burning Man. And so that was actually a real, I guess that was the, the, the pin, like, what do you call it? The desire in me that basically encouraged me to, um, quit my job. Basically, they, they wouldn't give me the time off. So I was like, you know what? I'm actually going to quit working for Keystone. I'm actually going to freelance. I don't care if I waitress, do door girl work again, you know, just so I could just take this time off. I think I'd gone straight from school, university into like a graduate program, straight into working full time. I never really had besides, you know, Phoebe and I went on one Europe trip, which was incredible and Bali trips and things like that. But I never really had been abroad, you know, and so this was my second big abroad trip. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take the time off to go to Burning Man. And that was what um, set me on the path of that desire. You know, I wanted to just have that experience and I didn't care about working anymore. It really shifted something in me that I felt like I'd, I was like, why am I working so hard? What for? Like, what am I getting out of this? I was getting really, I worked all through Christmas and New Year's that year for this incredible campaign. And then I remember getting not even a Christmas card or a thank you or anything. It was like straight after the holidays, it was like straight back into, all right, you know, Easter Easter campaign now. Let's work on that. And I was just like, wow, it just never ends. Um, and so anyway, I went to Burning Man and I, wow, it, it changed my life truly. Like it really, really changed my life. It, it, uh, extended my, uh, capacity of like what was possible in the world, meeting like-minded people as well. People who were into music, people who were, um, open and friendly and love dressing up and dancing as much as I did. And it was just, it was such an incredible experience that um, when I came back to Australia after going there, so I was in the States in the US for six weeks for that trip. And funnily enough, freelancing that year, I ended up making more money freelancing. I started my first company called Move and Shake, which was digital marketing and social media for all of my friends who had venues, so restaurants, bars, things like that. Um, and I was doing lots of like launches and events, all the fun stuff. I actually made more money freelancing and I was able to even continue working while I was away, which was the first time I had that taste of like entrepreneurship and freedom. 
um, where I didn't have to be, you know, in a company and I get a certain amount of holidays off. So I was working while I was away and I was on this six week trip. And in that six weeks, I met more people. Um, it's funny at Burning Man, I met all these friends and then I went to these events in New York and then I ended up, you know, knowing 20, 30, 40 people in a room just from going to this one event in, uh, in Burning Man. And so when I came back to Australia after that trip, I was just like, what am I doing here? Like the, the people that think the way I do and the ones who are like more open-minded are over there. Like, and I miss them. I desired to be around these, you know, and there were people from all over the world. It wasn't like it was Americans. All my friends that were living in New York were Turkish, you know, Persian, uh, Tunisian, uh, German, Frenchies, like a really beautiful multicultural group of people. And I just felt really connected to that kind of diverse I don't know, different way of thinking and being. And yeah, that was my first, you know, reason why. And so after that, I came back to Australia and I, was, I had this desire in me. I was like, you know, what? I, I need to live overseas. I've never lived overseas. I think I was 25 at the time and um, subsequently met an incredible uh, group of friends and a man in that group of friends. We were just friends at the time, but it wasn't until we went on another trip uh, to Mexico, to Tulum, to this another music festival called BPM, and that's when I reignited with all, reunited with all these friends and and this this one beautiful man that I ended up um, moving to London for. We actually moved to London together. He was in New York and I was in Australia. I was like, I think I'm going to move to London. He's like, great I think I can move to London and and so we ended up you know going on this path to London so that's when I ended up moving there uh, exactly one year to the date of when I resigned from um, my company that I quit the year before April 1st was when I moved to London so it was exactly 12 months on that like quitting my job working for myself, having this really, really like expansive experience, meeting incredible human beings from all over the world. And then this like, okay, I need to get, be closer to that, where that, you know, energy is. And then leaving exactly 12 months to the day, which was really incredible to have one year cycle um, was a really beautiful experience. So yeah, that's where it led me to London. I lived there for, I think, three and a half, four years until Phoebe joined me for the last six months of that four-year journey. (laughs) There's a story there too. And then uh, my partner, my English boyfriend, he got a job in Singapore and we ended up moving there for a year. Um, Similarly, I don't know if you want to go down in that whole journey, that whole chapter of my life as well, but ended up... um, working studying I ended up actually going to Singapore and doing the thing that I always knew that I wanted to do which was kind of this health coaching life coaching um, bringing my psychology back into the world and also living I think in London away from Australia away from the nature and things like that also led me to find my own kind of healthy conscious spiritual practice which I probably didn't need in Australia because we had so much beautiful nature there so London really uh, called me more closer to myself in terms of like going inside myself for that that same um gratification that I used to get I guess from being in the ocean or being in nature that was my spiritual practice I think um still had the dance floor though in London lots of dancing had my spirit had my church every every weekend you know dancing my heart out as well so yeah that's kind of my journey and then you've been in LA now for how long this is my seventh year yeah. So, wow. A, a huge journey there. And I keep picking up on the word desire. There's this desire to quit or there's this desire to go and explore. There's this desire to, um, you know, ans- you've been answering the desire all this time. Where did that come from? Where did the um, learning to listen to the desire 
or even having the the choice or the freedom to then go chase that desire because you know we both grew up in a very strict household where our desires were minimized so we had to live under a certain uh, religious um, set of rules we're also very strict uh, vegan vegetarian eating kind of rules there was a lot of rules at home so I guess when we were able to exercise our freedom we really allowed that desire to burn so what was it for you what what gave you that um courage or bravery to go and follow the desire yeah it's a really good question and I this is actually something that I work now with women on you know I could we, I could call it you could call it intuition you know that deeper sense of knowing that I think always resides in us um and the work that I do it kind of you know we I feel like there's so much that we do in our life that kind of blocks our intuition whether that's food whether that's alcohol whether that's numbing ourselves with different you know medicines or things like this and so yeah this this deep inner desire I think it always exists in us but I do feel like sometimes we can't hear it as clearly because we're so distracted by um even like you said conditioning and programming of like our our inner voice that actually just uh tells us that we should be doing something else rather than really listening to what's happening in inside of us. And so I would like to say that, you know, my intuition has been pretty strong um, my our whole life. I do feel like even though we were raised in this environment that was quite strict and quite control, we also were raised in an environment where we were very healthy. You know, we did have a very clean foundation. Our physical realm was actually very clean and we had a very high vibration to, you know, actually do the work in the world, like to show up and go to university and study and expand. So every time that I kept on learning, I kept on expanding my consciousness and I kept growing and learning and growing and learning. I think my desire is just this insatiable curiosity to continue to learn and grow because of the strict, closed, you know, upbringing that we had. It actually encouraged me to question everything. So I think my first, you know, real wake up call of, um, you know, questioning everything was when I, when I tripped to Bali, which I, I think I just shared with you when I was visiting you there. You know, the first trip that I ever took to Bali was such a spiritual awakening for me because I really saw spirituality practice outside of a church, a building where I had, you know, that's where how we were raised. Christianity was contained to a building where, where Bali was this, you know, ex, um, it was practiced in every way. And it's a way of being, it's a way of life there. And I think that made me really like, wow, this whole, you know, spirituality is so much bigger. And so I hope I'm staying on top on topic here, but I do feel like the, yeah, my, my desire and my, um, is connected to this constant curiosity and this constant wanting more, wanting more in a way. It's like a deep, deep, insatiable, like, I just want to get as much out of this life. Like when I, when I experienced like overseas and people that were, had been living a different way and, you know, different languages, different cultures, yet we all met on this common ground. I was like, oh, wow, I want to be around more people like that. That was just like this desire to want more. And I don't know where it comes from exactly, but I know that I have it so strongly in me. And uh, the more that I listen to it and the more that I take care of my body and the more that I, you know, stopped, there's many things that I've, you know, I explored curiosity for many things in my life, whether that's, you know, taking different types of, you know, drugs and and later on, you know, more more experiences to just expand my consciousness as well, you know, psychedelics and, and things like this. Um, the more that I actually 
come back to my my purity my like just my inner being my 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 energy just on its own I feel like I'm more connected to that that intuitive voice and I'm then more guided into a path of actually doing good with the energy or the 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 desire that exists in me because I do desire to you know be of service and to do good in the world and I think before I was perhaps a little bit more numb or, or not as focused on on the work for me and more work focused on the work for others in a way um and I think that was through conditioning and not really knowing and having to relearn and deprogram and and things like that and and I, and I think it also comes with age I think for for me as a woman as well um I look back at that little girl that left a Sydney and moved to London and I remember at 25 how much attitude I had, how much I thought I knew everything, how much I thought, how cool I thought I was, you know, all the things. And then and then I, I think I definitely became someone else in London as well. I became this person that I didn't even recognise as well, trying to trying to fit in, really trying to fit into, um, you know, this different culture you know this this posh English culture my work was you know quite posh boss you know whatever it was this chapter of my life where I definitely feel like I was trying to fit in and I didn't really listen to like who you know I forgot who I was uh, a little bit as well and I think looking back now I was like I was just such a child I was such a baby and then as I I think as I stepped into that 30 year old young woman um that intuition definitely started to to call and and this this inner calling was a lot louder um and I'm really grateful for that year in Singapore because I really did you know stop drinking alcohol and stop partying as much because it wasn't really available there I was studying holistic nutrition I was really starting to tune into these practices that I didn't have time for in London because I was busy on the tube and going out on the weekends and I was in a relationship so you know time was a different kind of um was spent differently then. So I'm really grateful for Singapore because not only was I turning 29 to 30, I was also not working, not on the tube, not on this different like, you know, lifestyle. I really got to embody a lot of these practices, which I now help other women do as well. But I actually got to learn from it for myself and saw how much it, it works and how much I really can then connect to that inner voice even stronger because of what I had actually started practicing and it was it was a real journey from not doing it at all to then you know really tuning into that voice and it actually led to you know my partner and I going in different directions because I really came home to these parts of me that always wanted to help people that always wanted to be of service that always wanted to do more and to keep doing more but I definitely stopped doing that in London and started probably living for someone else's you know journey at that time and I think that happens also in relationship and new countries and trying to fit in I think is a really yeah interesting part of that journey so yeah if you're in a similar situation where you have this burning desire inside of you to want a different life or want to travel the world, or you just want to do things differently, maybe it's time to quit your job or create a freelance side hustle. Following that joy and following that desire inside of you is only going to lead you down a path of self-discovery. I help women create a side hustle or an online business in the holistic wellness field that helps you to have more freedom, more freedom in your body, more freedom with holidays, more freedom with working around kids, uh, life, work balance, all of the things. 
So if you're interested about starting an online business, head to the show notes to the Consciously Alive CEO program, which is a 12-week journey combining both spiritual and business. It's like a little mini MBA combined with self-discovery healing to help you ideate, create, grow, and launch a successful online business so that you don't have to work for bosses that won't give you time off or jobs that just don't make you come alive anymore. Uh, All of the information is on the websites. I'm doing applications now as we speak for the next cohort starting in the end of March. Now we're going back to the show. What part of you has evolved to, you know, the place where you are now, where if I can say it correctly, have you stopped trying to fit in? Or do you think that is a a part of you that, that always wants to be liked by people or find your tribe wherever you are? Where are you on that journey at the moment? It's a really beautiful question. Oh, I've had a lot of reflecting also, right, coming back to Australia and really feeling like, oh, my gosh, I don't fit in here anymore. Yet I also know when I'm in L.A., I often feel like, well, this isn't my home either, you know. And I have cultivated a really beautiful group of humans, you included, who live all around the world and they're they are my soul family they're my, the people that I you know I love dearly I'm so inspired and encouraged by them unfortunately we just all live in different places around the world so in terms of you know having a place like an actual destination where I feel like I fit in the most no I haven't found that place yet in terms of finding it in myself yes like I'm so so in love with who I am now Um, And I think it's taken me a long journey to get here. Um, And I don't think you ever really truly arrive. There's so much that I'm still, like I said, learning and and growing and evolving. And it's a daily practice of of so many different elements that um, help bring me back into balance of just coming back to that, you know, that place of self-love and that place of um, you're doing great no matter, you know, what is externalized on the outside, how you look, how much money you have, um, you know, what your job, your profession, all those things. I feel like I've really come to a place of just like I am who I am for a reason and just doing the best with the energy that I have, really honoring the energy per day. And it has, it's been a definitely a journey of coming home to just really yeah, I love myself more than I ever have. And I'm really grateful that, you know, I have been single now for quite a, you know, few years in LA, but I'm so grateful that I have because I've I've had a lot of time to really invest into coming home, to knowing who I am, no matter where I am in the world. And like like I said, as we're recording this, I've been on this like wild seven-week journey. I've been out of my home more months this last year than I have been in it which has just made me like, wow, come home to the things that I love, the the practices that I love. And that's for me is just nature and good food and people that I love and spending time, whether that's online or, or with people that make me feel like I am enough, you know, rather than spending it with people who don't. And I think that's that the fact that I, I know how to do that. So, you know, my, my, my energy reading is really in a good place. So I feel, yeah, I feel really content and, and, 
yeah, I do feel more in love and enough for where I am now. What would you say to our beautiful community that are listening along today? Um, if they're struggling to love themselves, accept themselves, or even knowing the journey back to themselves, what's a piece of advice you would give to them? Hmm. I would say that it is a journey, you know, and, and I feel like we are so often rushing towards the finish line and trying like so hard in to do more, be more rush. You know, it's like all about doing more. Um, and I think a part of my journey, which I think has helped me is actually a little bit of the being switching out of the doing mode and how can we be more in the being mode and so doing and being we can also call it your masculine energy and your feminine energy so I guess for the you know this can be for both men and women but for women especially who you know coming back into finding balance is actually just witnessing where your energy lies per day am I do I need to bring myself am I up here in am I going doing a lot in this um, external, validation even my uh, mode do I need to do some practices to bring me back down to balance out and more softness more gentleness more in my feminine and then similarly if I get two in my feminine mode and two down here in the like sleeping resting just want to journal and do nothing all day then I know that I need to like okay I need to you know maybe move my body, maybe shake up my energy, maybe get out there and do a little bit more external just to bring that back into balance and so finding the dance the dance in the balancing act it's a it's a it's a it's a daily daily waking up asking okay what do I need today to bring myself back into balance and really learning to have those conversations with ourselves. um it might be uncomfortable at first if you've never done it as well but I think me learning how to love myself so much was actually not asking what other people want of me or expect of me or again, letting go of these expectations that I put on myself from my own perfectionism tendencies or my trying too hard tendencies to fit into a world where I don't think anyone truly fits in. You know, we're all just doing our best out here, navigating very uncharted waters. And the moment that you can come home to that of like, no one knows what they're doing. No one really cares what, what you look like, what you, you what you're fixating on so much and letting go of that like, and coming back to like, okay, well, what do I need today? How can I take care of me? How can I be the best version of me today? Um, and that that dialogue, that language, that relationship, really it starts there because then you you actually you give from that place. When you filled up your cup, and I always talk, I feel like I'm very much on the, the self-care, self-love kind of train. It is uh, at the time we're recording, since so February, so I've been on this sharing a lot about self-love and self-love practices and it's so important, you know, it is so important because you cannot be a good colleague, partner, wife, mother, daughter, sister, if you are not filling up your cup first. And so I do believe it comes back to self-love and loving yourself and loving all parts of yourself as well, even the parts that you don't really, you know, the parts of me that are, sure, I'm a perfectionist for sure, or I am a, you know, I do stress a little bit too much or worry too much about how sometimes everything looks like on the outside or you know and actually coming back to that loving that part of myself as well and knowing that look you know that's a coping mechanism that I developed somewhere along my journey how can I even really learn to accept and love that part of myself as well and so self-love it's a journey 
It's a daily dance of what do I need? What steps do I need to do today? It's also learning um, how to, you know, let go of the things that are not serving you so that you can step into the future as well. And I think that's a lot of, it's a lot of tips. I don't think that's just one, but I think if I had to uh, say one thing, it would be learning how to have a really beautiful, nourishing relationship with yourself first. So if you have no idea where to start with your self-care or your self-love journey, I have created an online healing platform called The Self-Care Space, which incorporates my background in holistic healing, somatic therapy, emotional healing, yoga, breath work, all of the things. And it is a beautiful introduction Um, and an invitation to come back home to yourself, to come back home to the wisdom that is inside of you, to reconnect with the intuition that you were born with so that you can make decisions from a place of feeling full and overflowing with love for yourself. You can start your free seven-day trial by going to the website, theselfcarespace.co or click the link in my bio. There's more than 250 rituals, classes inside the library for you to dip your toes in anytime you want to fill up your cup. Okay, back to the show. I feel like we were, uh, we had a great example of our mum always looking after herself as as well as uh, us as well, but she was very into her own self-care. And I think that patterned, um, you know, having a self-care practice for ourselves. I know a lot of people didn't have that pattern for them. Um, And self-care seems selfish or doing something for yourself. Like I know I, I, I mean, I'm in Bali, so I have massages and facials all the time, but I remember living in London and going for a facial and, my friends who were as equally successful or more successful than me. So they had the disposable income to go and have a facial, yet they had never in their whole life. And they thought it was so, uh, such a like luxury that they didn't deserve. How can people start a self-care practice or a self-love practice when they have no idea what that looks like or no idea where to start. They're, they're just, they're so stuck in the work, play hard, work hard, party harder kind of mode. And then there's no kind of refilling up the cup. Mm. So it's a good question. And I think the first place to start is what is the dialogue like? you're having with yourself first and foremost. So one of the first uh, tips that I pass on to clients, um, female clients, that is when you wake up in the morning rather than like rushing out of bed um, to start your day, what, however you start your day, is to just take a moment. I just say put one hand on your heart and one hand on your womb. And so these are two energy centers that, you know, where we, our emotions lie and our intuition, which we talked about that deep sense of knowing and that wisdom that the innate wisdom that lives in us it I believe lives in our womb which is also the your gut your gut instinct so hand on heart and on womb we all have these two places in our body and just taking a moment to just take a breath and just ask ourselves how are you feeling today just as a mother would to a child how are you feeling today um and listen really start to listen and do you feel 
maybe start to witness how you feel. Do I feel dehydrated? Okay, maybe then what do I need to give my body today? Do I need to have some more hydrating foods? Do I feel bloated? I know a lot of like women hold a lot of, you know, what what time of the month am I in on my cycle? Am I a little bit more bloated because of that? Um, how's my heart feeling today? Am I tired? Am I exhausted? Do I need to take a little bit more gentle workout today? Um, or, or am I really anxious and feeling a lot? Do I need to just take a moment and like maybe write down my thoughts or take a walk out in nature? And so first and foremost, it starts with asking really, really asking your body, hey, what do you, what, how can I take care of you today? So self-care is asking like, what do you need so that you, I am taking care of you? And you always say this to me, Phoebe, all the time, no one else is going to do it for you. No one else is, unless you know you have a partner or you're still living with your parents, for example, who maybe, but they're only putting their agenda onto you as well. It's not necessarily what you might need. Your partner might say, oh, let's do this today. And your body's actually saying, no, I actually don't want to do that today. What my body needs today is actually to stay in bed a little bit longer. I'm not going to rush out to that 6am workout class. I'm actually going to have a big glass of water, maybe a walk in nature. And so I know how to say these practices after it because I've started to really learn and listen and apply then. So the next step is like asking. Then when your body is asking for something, how do you then give it what it needs in return to make it feel safe? so that that relationship strengthens it's like oh it's built on a foundation of trust and understanding and it's like okay you're listening to what I need I feel safe enough to express and that's when your nervous system starts to ah, relax and you're not in this fight or flight survival kind of mode which I feel like majority of this modern day life you know our phones technology cities environments Wi-Fi, EFTs, like all of this energy, it's very stimulating. And I think for the feminine essence as well, it's like overstimulation actually takes us out of that natural flow state or that that natural, you know, energy. So how do we manage our energy in the environments that we live in? And I think the first step is coming home to, okay, what do you need? How can I calm my nervous system? So then you can actually then act and, and choose what you need to do with a really, again, that full, that full cup, you're actually giving from a place of calm, you're making better choices because your nervous system feels nourished, it feels calm, it feels held. Um, and, you know, that even goes back to inner child work as well. But I think self-care and self-love is actually acknowledging that there is, you know, a spirit, an inner child, whatever you want to call it, an, an, uh, an inner being, you know, whatever you resonate with, whatever you want to call it, that's that's your essence and your essence can only feel it's like naturally in its flow when you're actually taking care of what it's asking for some great tips there and just in case you're doing this at home or you want to start you listen to this podcast and be like okay I'm going to do this tomorrow don't be afraid to hear nothing if you have been not listening to your body for a very long time. So sometimes it takes time for your body to speak up when we have been in such a rush. Um, Would you add anything to that, Amy? Mm. Yeah, slowing down, it's tough. It It can actually feel like the opposite, almost like you know you need it, but it's also like, your body's like, go, 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 go. And it, it is takes a little while to to deprogram, you know, the go, 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 go. It took me such a long time to feel comfortable in the doing nothing, you know. And that's because I was a overachiever perfectionist, you know, 
totally in my masculine, trying, you know, rushing around and doing a million things at once. I've always had a lot of energy. So it felt that felt natural to me until I started to realize, you know, my body was was starting to not, um, it started to break down on me and things like that as well. So I think if your body is, is giving you a, a clear sign and a message and you're still ignoring it, the, the body only gives you these tiny whispers over and over and over again until you finally get that message to actually, I have to do something about this. And I think that's when that, 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 um, I don't know that again, that desire to like, I have to make a change, like something needs to change here. And I guess that's when a lot of people end up coming to me or, or to you, you know, when they know, like, I need to make a change, I have to make a change, there's something inside of me that has to shift, otherwise, this is not going to work anymore. And so if you are here, if you if you met, if your body is giving you any of these messages, and you are even listening to this, and you're like, oh, wow, I have had those messages, but I don't know what to do. And I don't know where to start. I think building trust is, again, I'm mentioning it, is a really important first step of like, okay, I'm trusting that I'm doing this for a reason. It's uncomfortable to start with slowing down in the mornings and really just asking what I need. It might be, you might be the opposite too. Maybe you need to start like, I need to make sure that I'm getting up in the morning and moving my body because I'm way too in this, like, you know, I'm too anxious or I'm too, I'm depressed or I'm too low energy. Like that exists as well. And I think the body also keeps us in those, that, that state of being when we're not doing enough as well. We're not actually doing enough. So there's always the, the, it's either the too much. And I'm referring to my overactive stimulated too muchness that I had to learn how to slow down. And that was uncomfortable for me. But similarly, if you're in the other side of this conversation where you're too in the low yin frequency, not doing enough, you're very, you know, kapha energy, they call it in Ayurveda, which is where you're very heavy and very slow and stagnant and your body might be, it's really hard to then get the engines going and and get out there as well. And so you need to be doing the polar opposite, which is actually making more of a conscious effort to do and to start acting and start being uncomfortable until it becomes comfortable and becomes familiar. Any, Any type of learning and any type of growing and evolving, it takes a process and i'm i'm really um inspired by nature obviously in the cycles and the seasons and just i think one um important part is like even if you're listening to this knowing what season that you are in in your life is really important and don't compare your winter to someone else's summer you know you might be going through a really um time where you need to be more you know insular and and going inwards and cuz you're about to go into then your spring on the other side um, or, you know, even where I'm in summer energy right now, but it might be physically winter energy, you know, if you're listening in Europe and the US, um, knowing just how to to come back into your own lane. I think that's a really important part of this. It's like I feel like when we get inspired by people and we can then tend to compare ourselves to other person's journey and where they are in their stage, their cycle, their season of their life. And so, really recognizing, okay, who am I? (laughs) What do I need in my life? And where am I at in my life? And bringing the attention back onto you. um, Again, having that relationship to you is a really first part of that, but really understanding, okay, if I'm where you are on your journey, does that make sense? Maybe you can support me in what I'm trying to share there. But I feel like comparing ourselves, taking ourselves out of our own lane and even out of our own season so even knowing that if you are in 
physically winter time right now that it's you shouldn't be you know it might not be your time of the year to even being as expansive and as playful and outdoorsy as you would be say in summer um, and using that time wisely as well using the winter time to really you know consolidate your energy and to really like nourish yourself in the winter even eating foods and nourishing your body differently in the different seasons of your life as well and I think it's all this is the holistic approach right this is how you know, the approach to this, it's not just the, there's the emotional side, which I think we've been sharing a lot more about the self-development and the, and the practices around the self and how to self-love and to self-care. And then you have the physical element to this, this work as well, which is the holistic approach. And the physical element is, you know, tuning into what does our body need for food wise and exercise and, um, the seasons and, you know, stages of our, of our life as well. And I really feel like they, they're so interconnected. You can't do the spiritual work without taking care of your physical body as well. Um, and I think that's an important part and, and choosing which, which one to start with. You can't like, it might be so overwhelming. Okay. I have to do exercise and this and that. It's like, just start with one and start one simple step at a time. Um, and, I think taking care of your physical body is something that we put a lot of emphasis on in the world more than say the spiritual work. But I do believe that the spiritual and emotional work is really getting um, highlighted now on social media and there's more of a language and um, uh, people are coming to terms with, you know, this kind of language. I think thanks to COVID and thanks to incredible Instagram accounts and people who are sharing more of this kind of work, but the interconnectivity, the bridging the gap between the two, I think is the sweet spot, you know, physical body influences how you feel emotionally, but also taking care of your emotions influences how your body then lets go of, you know, weight and and stress and cortisol. So like it's so interconnected and that's my sweet spot. I love bridging the gap between both the spiritual work and the emotional parts of our, ourselves, but also how interconnected it is to like losing weight or feeling good in the physical body as well. Yeah, as you were talking, um, it reminded me when you started training as a uh, culinary chef in LA, but you really learned from a place of uh, eating with the cycles and even in the circadian cycle. Am I saying that right? In the 24 hour day cycle. Do you want to speak a little bit about that and how that's influenced how you eat, move, work and play? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this studying, um, so it's called chronobiology. If anybody wants to like, in um, eh, what's it called? Investigate more into the science behind this uh, way of being. So I, I trained under an incredible uh, teacher. His name was Nicholas Torrent and he studied under Dr. Robert Morse. He also did, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, natural food chef training under Matthew Kenny. And he basically gathered a lot of these principles from different teachers that he had worked under. And he started his own school called Soul Culinary. And the whole principle behind it was um, solar nutrition. So eating the right foods at the right time of the day. And this, it it definitely changed my way of being and thinking, I guess, being in Australia, being in the, you know, the, the lifestyle industry, PR and event industry. I had a lot of friends that were models and a lot of friends that, you know, were eating a certain way, you know, to look a certain way. That was definitely the principle behind the foods they were eating. And definitely it was healthy and it was still, you know, good. But I 
definitely adapted, um, you know, some cleansing techniques or some ideas around what was healthy. Um, and one of them was like not eating fruits. Fruits was the enemy. Fruit was sugar and it's so bad for you. And I, I still think that fruit gets a bad rap these days, even when it comes to like keto and um, a lot of these other styles of like really, you know, fat, eating good fats, um, which I'm not against at all, nothing like that. So solar nutrition is um, eating foods um that grow with the sunlight's energy. And just as our body is a living organism, we also grow with the seasons and the sunlight. So we need to be nourishing our bodies at the right time of the day to have the energy that we need for when we should be waking up, you know, when the sun is stable, using our most um, energetic time of the day. And then when we went to be sleeping, what our, our body should be going into rest and digest. And so following the solar uh, tradition of eating, Foods that grow on the trees are morning foods. So foods that get sunlight's first energy and the things that grow on trees are fruits, nuts, coconuts, and coffee, actually. So anything uh, that uh, in terms of you want to be eating foods that are full of this energy when you wake up in the morning. When you wake up in the morning, you're also breaking a fast. So your body is extremely uh, dehydrated. One of the most hydrating foods you can eat in the world is fruits. It's full of, you know, 70% water and it is full of such good, healthy sugars, colors, polyphenols, fiber. Um, and it's, it's literally like God's sweetest gifts to the earth is fruit. And so um, in solar nutrition, they say you should eat fruits first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, try and not combine it with too many other things besides nuts, which are a protein, which you need something a bit more uh, filling. Uh, coconuts are also great. So you can make a coconut yogurt or nut yogurts and things like that. And then wonderfully, coffee also is a, is a morning food. So, you know, not saying to have not have coffee in the morning. And this is for help you to wake up, wake up naturally using sugar to give you the energy, hydrating, giving your gut microbiome the sugars that it needs also to thrive, the fiber that it needs. Um, and it gives you energy first in the morning. So when I started doing this, I, I like, I was, I had to retrain. I was like, oh no, but fruit's bad. Fruit has too much sugar. And I, I think I was probably eating, I don't know, I think I was even skipping breakfast at that stage. I wasn't really much of a breakfast person, but I think eggs were more on my eggs or, or bread and things like this. And they're actually, um, they're, they're not that they're bad foods. It's just that they actually kind of make you too full in the morning rather than giving you that like burst of energy, which you need to help your body and your gut and your energy system, your digestive system to wake up. So that's morning foods. Then as the sun goes into stable, it goes into um, daytime, you want to be eating uh, anything that the sun grows in the daytime. So anything that's like fruits, uh, sorry, not fruits, vegetables, uh, leafy greens, uh, grains also grow in sun. So uh, you live across the road from a rice field, rice, grains, they love sunlight. They need a lot of sunlight to grow. Um, and then grazing animals. So lambs, chickens, um, I can't think of any other grazing animals, but people who like, you know, animals that are out in the paddocks all day long that love being in the sunshine and they eat the grass and, you know, so these are the foods that you should be having in the middle of the day. It also should be your biggest meal of the day because our digestive um, system and our enzymes are awake. We have the sun that's giving us the energy to be awake. And so we're actually have the energy to digest a really big meal, you know, a, a more satiating meal in the middle of the day. 
Um, and so that's when you can be having all of your proteins. Um, you can be having grains if you want or like leafy greens, crunchy vegetables, tomatoes, cucumbers, you know, all those things that are really like crunchy and have a lot of, again, hydration for the daytime. Again, depending where you are in the world, I think um, the number one thing that I didn't mention, but seasonality is super important. So um, really knowing what time of the year and what foods grow in season for where you are, super important as well. And so anyway, as the sun is setting and your body is starting to shut down, so once the sun goes down, you want to be kind of getting your body ready to rest and digest. And at nighttime, you don't want to be eating anything that's too heavy at nighttime, that you're, it's going to take a lot of your digestive um, energy to break down that food. Your body needs to be doing what it needs to do to replenish your cells, your skin, your hair, your nails, your blood, and doing its job to really, again, rest and digest. Um, and so at nighttime, anything that grows underground, they say, is really good for a dinner time. So root vegetables are really wonderful. They grow underground. Um, bulbs, so any like garlics and ginger and um, mushrooms, uh, onions, fennels, anything that has like bulbs that grow underground. And then also at nighttime, eggs are laid in the dark and also fish is an underground animal like it's it grows it's into the sea so at nighttime um anything that's like broths stews soups really light to digest fish omelets things like that are really wonderful to eat at nighttime so it's not saying that eggs are bad or that you know fish should be eaten any other time of the day it's just helping your body to do what it's meant to be doing and so it's more about how to eat the right foods at the right time of the day to support you to feel good, to give you the energy to do the things that you need to do, like having, you know, a, an alert brain in the morning, having fuel in the middle of the day to do the things that you want to do. And then at nighttime, so you sleep well, so your body's not digesting. And, you know, when you go to bed so full and so bloated from eating all the things. And so this is just a guide and one guide out there. But I do believe that it is one of the most, like, once you learn this, it, it really starts to make sense for me. And I really started to shift um, how, you know, I was eating and how I nourish myself and how I choose to like eat. And when I think about it this way, it's just a good reminder to like how to eat in a really beautiful way. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? It's perfect. I feel like I need to swap my eggs to the evening and my grazing animals to the lunchtime. Um, but I didn't hear anything about chocolate. So where do we slot that in? <laughs> it's funny there's a couple of other random rules with regards to the season so in terms of um like full moons there are certain like mangoes supposedly you can eat on the full moon um they like the type of thing rice as well they say you can also have at nighttime it's okay to have a bit of rice at nighttime again if you i'm not about rules and dogmatic rules similarly going back to the conversation of like hey body what do you need today to feel good um, where am I at in my cycle? Like, what do I need to eat today to help support my cycle? What am I doing today? Am I, am I running a marathon? Or am I sitting at my desk behind calls all day? Do I even need to eat a huge meal with rice and, and mean, and, you know, meat today or, or what have you, protein? Actually, no, I feel like eating a lot lighter today because what your energy needs. So coming back down to like, what do you need? This is the most important conversation to be having. And also when you, ask the question and listen. You act and give it what it needs. And so I, I'm not a big believer in like, okay, this is the way I eat all the time. If I want to eat chocolate <laughs> for breakfast, 
Great. Actually, chocolate for breakfast is one of the best times of the day to eat chocolate because it's a it's a fruit and it grows on trees. So chocolate and it gives you energy. It gives you that natural wake up in the morning, which is a wonderful way to wake up. Um, and there's another a, a fruit that they say is okay to eat in the daytime, berries. They grow on bushes and they grow more towards the ground. So if you need like a berries that pick you up in the afternoon, they say berries are really wonderful to have in the fridge for, for those type of things. Amazing. So we're all going home and having chocolate for breakfast tomorrow. So thank you for giving us permission. Um, I feel like my body's gone through a whole nother cycle of tuning in and listening to what I need in pregnancy. It's, it's, it's like a wild journey. Um, but yeah, thank you for sharing that about how we can eat with what foods are growing, um, throughout the daytime. So which brings me to your new program. Um, I would love to know what's included because right now you work only one-to-one with women clients to kind of the intersection of the spiritual, emotional, and the nutrition. So tell us about the group, uh, the group coaching program where people are learning how to grow. Yes, exactly. So uh, this has been a long time in the making, over a year of working with women private clients. Um, and before that, obviously working with both men and women clients um, for the last five years and my work as a natural food chef, solar nutrition. Um, I've kind of brought all of it together because I wanted to consolidate a course that really integrated both the food part of like, so the course is called How You Grow. Um, and it's a holistic journey to well-being, personal growth, and spiritual nourishment. So it, I wanted to intersect us as human beings, as living organisms that need certain nutrients to nourish not only our physical bodies, you know, but also the spiritual side of us as well, our personal growth. And I think the the I loved you know calling it about growing because I'm a I'm a massive nature lover and uh you know obviously going back to the name Green Acre and all things green I love the idea of looking at our life as like a tree and a plant and how what do we need to nourish our roots and what do we need to have a strong foundation both in our physical health but also in our emotional and spiritual health as well and nourishment takes many forms just like a tree needs nourishment it needs good food it needs sunlight it needs fresh air but it also needs the right environment it needs a healthy uh relationships it needs healthy um you know other trees community growing next to it to help it flourish it needs mycelium you know it needs all of these things so i really intersect the um the 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 narrative of all of the different parts of our uh, life that help nourish us and so i'm bridging the gap between the physical and the spiritual and emotional because the work that I've been doing with women, it, you can't have one without the other. Women come to me with these physical um, ailments in their body, this dis-ease, this disharmony, the body basically screaming out for attention. And then when I get to the roots of why their tree is not feeling good and it's not producing beautiful trees or flowers or, you know, healthy, you know, offspring, for example, I work with women, you know, hormones and fertility, that means that their body's not doing it. So you have to go down to the roots and you what's going on in the root system. And when you get to the root causes of what's happening in a person's life, it usually comes down to some type of um, limiting belief or um, a conditioning or a programming or an upbringing 
or even just an environmental thing that happened in their life that made them scared or stopped them from actually producing that healthy, flourishing thing. So we need to go down to the roots and we need to kiss the roots and we need to unfold where that came from and give it a safe place to feel like, okay, I can grow again. You know, we have to move past the barriers and the things. And that's really the spiritual work. That's really the the deep stuff. And I'm so, 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 so passionate about bridging the gap between the two it's a very practical course so it's a 12-week course it's the same amount of time that I work with my one-to-one clients Um, but it's a group program so we actually get the community element of working together we get sharing and support by other people who are going on a similar journey to you Um, and we go through I actually go through the chakra system from our roots, our sacral, our sexual organs, our relationships, um, the masculine, the feminine, then we go up to the solar, then we have our heart, we have our, what is our, you know, our, our um, emotions and uh, what do we need to nourish our love and, and self-love. And then we have our truth and our throat chakra and giving our, you know, being of service and giving our gifts to the world. And then we go up into um, our spiritual and our crown as well. So our, this is our center of, you know, knowing and connecting to source. And so that's where we kind of tap into more the spiritual. And so we're going through all of these um, different parts of ourselves, And it's, yeah, it's a holistic journey. Um it combines mindfulness, it provides, you know, self-awareness, um, and then the physical nutrition, we go through solar nutrition, um, and then we tap into the spiritual, the personal areas of our life, which include our relationships, our career, our finances, um, community, and then how to integrate it all. So really practical ways to really apply, you know, how to, all the parts that make us a whole. Um and so that's it. That's the course. I'm so excited to finally birth it into the world. It's taken me a long time, but I have been growing through this journey and I can't wait to guide people through this. And it's going to be um, ideally off. It starts um, on the solstice, the spring solstice, which is March 21st. And I'll be doing hopefully four cohorts a year going with the seasonalities as well to talk about foods and rituals that support us for each season of our life as well. Amazing. Well, we'll put the link in the show notes so you have that all there to go and check that out. We are going to go into a quick fire round now. So you just say whatever comes straight to your uh, head. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. If you were to go back to the 25-year-old version of yourself and give her a little message from your now self, what would you say to her? You are enough. You are enough just as you are. Stop trying to be something that you're not and just be you. Amazing. If you had a billboard down in Abbot Kinney in Venice where you live, what would you write on it if you had a message to the world? Mm, One of my favorite quotes is, you are not tired from doing too much. You're tired from not doing enough of the work that brings you joy. Oh, I love that one. Goosebumps. Um, what is something that you do every day that makes you feel consciously alive? Mm, nature. I go outside. I either walk in nature, swim in nature, sunshine on my bare skin, eat nature foods, nature, 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 nature. <laughs> Love it. What's one thing that I didn't know to ask, but you maybe wanted to share? Hmm. I don't know, maybe about our like beautiful friendship and connection and and things like that. I don't think we got to share enough about our, yeah, I feel like our relationship and and, um, how much you have actually inspired and encouraged me 
in this world and in this life. But I do feel like we have a really, really special, you know, friendship and connection and it's really rare and beautiful. And I, I don't know, exploring more of that and talking about more of that would have been something that maybe listeners wanted to know as well. But yeah, that's something that I, I love that I love about us. Listeners at home, um, I did not tell her to say that. So this is completely unscripted. But yes, me and Amy are 21 months apart. So we've been very like twins. Mum used to dress us as twins as we grew up. We used to go to sleep in each other's beds because that was our kind of our safety net. We were each other's kind of like teddy bear or, or safety blankets. So we've been along each other's journeys from, you know, our first boyfriends to getting grounded to traveling the world and exploring the world and meandering you know there's been times where we you know are not in that much contact and then we come back to contact and it it really is having a beautiful um resource to have to have someone that is so close to you and so understanding but we also get on each other's nerves very quickly because we are so similar but then also very different as well. So um, thank you for sharing that, Amy. And thank you for being here. I'm going to put all of your links into the show notes where people can find you on Instagram, your website, and the new course coming up. Um, so thank you. This has been beautiful. We could have talked for much longer, but I have been given strict instructions to only do our episodes or less. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did great, Phoebe. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's like such an honor and a privilege to watch, you know, the beautiful work that you do in the world and you have, you know, you share so much goodness by having people on here. And I just feel so grateful that I'm a guest. I'm finally here and it feels really, I feel really, you know, grateful. Amazing. Well, it's been my pleasure to have you and uh, I hope to see you again here in Bali very soon. If not, I will probably see you on FaceTime tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a guarantee. Yeah. All right. Have a good night. Thank you, Angel. You too. Lots of love. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed. I loved interviewing Amy. I feel like we could chat forever because that's what we do. We love chatting. My husband says that all the time. How does your family chat so much? Um, so thank you so much for listening in. And I'm so happy that you guys are here being part of this community. Um, as always, if you have just 60 seconds, it would mean the world to me to leave a comment review on Apple or a star review on Spotify. This helps us get the message out to many, many more women and to help them live in alignment with what lights them up and what makes them come alive. See you again next week.